podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. It's Radio Free WhoCast, the audio service of Who's Place. This is Season 3, Episode 19. Welcome to our weekly discussion of all things Who's Hoops. I'm your host, Val Prohaska, joined as always by our producer and Who's Place founder, Seattle Who. Welcome, Seattle. Hey, Val. <laughs> Hey, it's funny you use that radio free WhoCast. We need to polish that and, and use it because I like it. I I always like that radio free uh, meme. Absolutely. I actually, absolutely. Yeah, back in the nineties when I was first trying this kind of like internet publishing, I had I, I can't remember what it was. Radio free something. I can't remember what the last word was that I used in mine. Of course, radio free Europe is where it started, and then I think there was a movie that had radio free something. Well, there's certainly an REM song, you know, Radio Free Europe. So, yeah. um, that that was the that's the easiest reference. But what yeah. was the? There was a movie in the late '80s. I think Christian Slater played a high school kid who had a pirate radio station. God, what was it called? Okay. I don't know. I used to like it. Yeah, back in the late '80s. Anyway, so we're we're trying to babble on about this Radio Free whatever stuff because you know we don't want to deal with the. Uh, the subject at hand, which is the what is to me one of the most frustrating, devastating um, losses of the Peak Bennett era, and I know it, in the scheme of things it doesn't mean as much as some of the others, but it's just I, I guess it's because to me, to me, it spells the end of my high hopes for this year's team. And my high expectations for this year's team. And it, it's like, to me, the last... It, it's just a piece of evidence that I, I just can't get past. It's, you know... Okay. We, well, you know, talking talking people off the ledge was, was is part of the mission here. Um, well, I'm on the ledge. You know... Okay, well, I, can, I, I can tell that, you know. So for uh, people who watch the... Uh, you know, who read the site and uh, are there, you know, you can uh, read Seattle's take on the game. It's called Crashing and Crushing. Um, we did more crashing than crushing, certainly, on Saturday. Um, but uh, part of the, the thing that I'm looking at is, you know, this was an away loss. Um, I went back. ACC teams are winning in home matches at about a 72% clip, which is about a 20% increase over standard. And, you know, we haven't lost a home game yet. Mm -hmm. So all of our losses have been away. Now, granted, you know, um, you know, our first two losses were neutral and everybody's and everybody's everybody's hurting. But travel is really, 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 really hard. And home teams have got huge advantages. And our losses to Florida State and Duke were away. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you know I'm willing I'm, to I'm say that, that some, the travel some comfort in that. I'm willing to I'm willing to say that the travel had something to do with the Florida State game, but not this one. And because no, I, it's still hard. I mean, I saw what I saw with they, my eyes. The basketball, they get there before, but you know, they've got to be quarantined, and that's coach energy. I know we've talked coach about this shit all season long. We've talked about it all season long, and I'm saying this yeah. particular game, I don't think it had anything to do with it because, and one of the reasons I say that is because. We actually shot the ball very well. And shooting is one of the areas that that kind of stuff shows up. You know, where you, you execute right, you do everything right, and you just can't shoot, or you have bad energy. We had pretty good energy. We just, we have these flaws. We have these things that this team, like I tweeted, this team is a mediocre basketball team with some great shooters. And their great shooting has tricked us. In, from recognizing just how mediocre the team is and everything else, we have played. We have we have only we've only beaten one team in the top forty of Ken Palm, and that is North Carolina. Florida State, number twelve, waxed us. Virginia Tech, number thirty-five, waxed us. Gonzaga, number one, on Gonzaga on a, on a neutral site, waxed us. We've we have really not been all that competitive with every good team that we've played, and I'm also very frustrated because 
it was the same thing with Duke as it was at Florida State. And we knew coming in that they were going to play this way. They were going to take away our stuff and make us beat them on a dribble. They were going to switch off screens, which means they're going to create matchups, mismatches. And we were 100% incapable in both games of making them pay for any of their mismatches. And it's not like we've never accomplished that because we have in the past. But it's like we didn't even try. We didn't even, we came out there and he tried to run sides, he tried to run this stuff, and by the end of the game, we're dribbling around in a panic state because nobody can do anything. And, you know, I am sometimes tempted to give Kihei a pass again, but I, I can't this time. He was terrible. And, you know, that, the last couple of plays, this, he, you know, he's a junior now and he's still making the same mistakes he was making last year of just, Getting and, and look, the next time, uh, you know what else I'm sick of saying? You know why we don't get to the free throw line? Because we get into the middle lane and we fucking jump stop and pirouette like ballet dancers in the middle of the lane. You that that's why we don't go to the line because that's how we play. When you get into the lane and you, you go in, you go in there, you commit to the drive, and when there's a, a defender in there, you jump into his chest. And you put the ball up, and you force him to block the shot without fouling you, and you force the referee to make a decision. And the teams that do that are the teams that get to the line. And I'm, we play like we. You gotta attack, and and Duke and Florida State and any good team, they're not gonna just let us run our pretty little sets. And pass the ball around and get open shots. They're going to make us put the ball on the damn floor. And we are not able to do that. This team cannot do that. St. Lou, who was right at the start of the year when he said the guards are not good and they're going to be the limiting factor of this team. And the guards are not good. We do not have good guards. Kihei's got the heart of a lion. But he's small. And the ACC teams, the good teams, they know how to make him pay for it. And we there's we have clearly no answer for it. All right. I mean, I agree that we don't. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's it's this is a, a forward you know heavy team, and you know every team requires balance. And you know, I think it's that you know we've got four guards that are all struggling in, you know, major aspects. Um, but you're right. There's only one guy who can really put the ball on the floor and that's the tiny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hauser doesn't do it very well. No, he's um, terrible. Morcel doesn't, you know, Murphy doesn't. So, you know, there is only one guy who can do that. Mm-hmm. And it does hurt, you know, the, the, the whole point of, you know, dribbling is dribbling whatever sport you play in, <laughs> whether it's soccer or basketball. You know, you collapse defenses and you force them to react to you by beating them on the dribble. And so passing only is only so useful, is only so good. And you're right. And, and that's been a problem. And I don't know that there was an answer. And, you know, I was kind of hoping at the beginning of the season that, you know, we'd found, you know, somebody capable of penetrating, getting to the rim and Beekman. But Beekman seems, you know, I, I, I've seen him just be, to me, it's become, he's becoming more, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's hit the wall. You know, some freshmen do. He's played a lot of minutes. I don't know if he's still deferring too much to Clark. I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. And I don't know after this game whether or not he was injured. I don't know if Bennett said anything because I didn't listen to his after-game nah, pressure. But, you know, he came out with about two minutes left in the second half. He didn't come back in. I mean, he logged 19 minutes. and Yeah, I mean, he was he, completely he ineffective. And... There was one moment late in the first half where he, he pulled up and he sort of hopped a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, if that, because, you know, yeah, his play know. hasn't been any worse, you know, but I don't know if he got hurt. But, um, you know, it meant we saw an awful lot of Casey Morcel. Um, and, you know, Morcel hasn't made the second year leap. 
that uh, all of us were hoping that he would make. So, you know, what it comes down to is we've got two really efficient, you know, front court ball players mm-hmm. um, who we struggle to get them the ball in the paint when we've got these mismatches. So, well, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried or angry or upset about, you know, Clark getting caught in traffic. It's nevertheless, we've had mismatches that we've been able to get, you know, huff on just about anybody against Duke, you know, Hauser, you know, we talked about Hauser versus, you know, Alvarado and we don't seem to be getting them the ball. And that would be, that would be Clark's issue. That's what, that's his job. And, you know, you're right. And it's, it's, it's been frustrating that we don't seem to be making any, any progress this season. It's not just Clark. I'm not going to see, I'm not going to lay that on Clark. I'm to me that that's on that's on the coaching because you know well there's a couple of issues here one you know when you have to go over the top one of the things if if there's heavy pressure on the ball it's difficult to make the passes and so teams there are putting heavy pressure on the ball but the other thing is to to me is coaching is that we're not designing sets that are giving the man with the mismatch room. We don't isolate them. Jay is there. He's being fronted by a by a Smurf, and he's holding him off, and he's got his hand up, and he's ready for the ball to come over the top. But there's a guy on the defense hanging around right there on the other side of the lane. The weak side help is like it's right there because we aren't pulling everybody else up above the free throw line or all the way out in the corner. We've got guys, like we're running sides or whatever, and we've got somebody is right there on the other side of the lane. And that negates, that completely negates the over the top. So right. we've take, now we've taken away the only way you can beat what the other team is doing to take Jay out of the game, unless you're going to bring him out to the perimeter. You know, I don't understand why these guys can't, you know, come out to the perimeter and you just throw the ball up to them high if they're being guarded by a six-foot guy. Why can't you do that? I don't know. Catch it high, shoot it high. Right. I mean, this is what you're supposed to be teaching your big man. Catch it high, shoot it high. Don't bring it down. We're trying to dribble. We have our... We have our our forwards are big men, either like Sam, we got Sam Hauser trying to run off of screens, being guarded by a little guy. Well, he's not going to shake that little guy. It's like, you know, it's like trying to shake a golden retriever by running be- running between trees. You're not going to, that golden retriever is going to be on your heels the whole time. That's what that little guy, the little guy is going to be on his heels. And so it's very, he's, it's very difficult. He doesn't get separation. And so it's, it's, it's pointless. And if, you know, when he's posting up, I, you know, I don't know why you don't just th- throw the ball high. I don't know. Well, you know, that's the, that's the question everybody's asking. And I'm, I don't, you know, don't really have the answer for you either. Um, because it seems so incredibly obvious, you know, that when you've got a seven foot one center, he's got long arms. You'd think it would be just a little easier to, to catch him. Um, you know, even, you know, for something that's not an alley-oop because, but the only time we go high to him is, you know, when he's getting an alley-oop. Right. Or for Um, God's sake, just shoot the damn ball. If you see he's being fronted by a little guy and he's right there, shoot the ball. He's in perfect rebounding position. It's like... Yeah. So Moses Malone's so, teammates used to pass him the ball that way. Sure. <laughs> well, that <laughs> he was the best offensive rebounder ever. So that's a, that's a that is a little different. But yeah, that was that was how you how you got him the ball. So why do you think Murphy didn't shoot? I mean, I started watching that. Now this was strange. Is that I did you I, ever I, see I him get separation? Yeah. Did you? Um, have, I, I mean, never I, saw I, him I get separation. This, yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's going to be hard when your number three guy, you know, had 
you know, two nice backdoor dunks, you know, in the first five minutes of the game and then didn't take a single shot the rest of the game. Yes, because they, they stopped over overplaying and losing track of him. They stopped yeah. making the mistake that let him be open. That's the problem. When your system is designed, is predicated on the opponent making mistakes, you're going to make, you're going to, you know, run your shit until he makes a mistake, then you're going to take advantage of it. If he never makes a mistake, then you're screwed. So when they stopped making mistakes on that, he's no longer getting open cuts to the rim. Well, I don't mind the open cuts to the rim, but it, it seemed to me like, he wasn't really looking for his shot. I mean, he, he got open, not necessarily open, but he had, he had enough separation. He's six, nine. He's a big guy with, you know, um, a pretty straight up, you know, uh, release point. And, you know, I didn't see him even looking to take the shot. Trey is um, pretty much an open shooter. If you look at his, at his film, it, almost all his shots come when he's really open. Really open. I okay. I just can't think. I can't think of a single episode in that game where I saw Trey Murphy where I thought that he should have got the ball and taken a shot. I I just don't recall any incident of that. So to me, that's telling me what that I didn't. You know, I never saw him him get separation. So I think, you know, look, again, ACC coaches are good at their job and ACC players are good at their job and they've got a scattering report. Trey Murphy's the hit man. If you let him get space, if you lose track of him, he's going to hit the shot. Mm -hmm. He's going to hit it dead center. And so they know Not to let him go. And I think Duke did a good job of staying close to him. And he's not a guy who can, you know, put the ball on the deck and, and you know, make plays with a dribble. We don't, we don't, Key is the only person who can competently drip, take more than one dribble attacking. <laughs> you know, Jay Huff can take one yeah. dribble. If he even takes more than one dribble, they're collapsing on him and taking it from him. He, you know, he can cover. 12 feet in one dribble. But teams aren't... Look, they're not making... They've scouted. They're not making the mistakes that they were making earlier in his career that give him those lanes at a basket. Yeah. Teams in this league, they scout. We do it. I mean... Mm-hmm. On the defensive side, we do it. We don't seem to do it on offense. <laughs> we... I, on offense, it seems to be, look, this is our set. This is what we're going to run. We're going to run this stuff. And, you know, I don't know. But, you know, you only have so much time. And there's only so much guys can absorb. And, you know, clearly they choose to emphasize the defensive side. Which is, you know, what we were always going to get with Bennett. It, yeah. um, it, it's it, It's hard... You know, sort of seeing the the last couple of weeks in that, you know, we've seen the improve. I think I've seen improvement in defense. I mean, we've got better communication, and you know, our guys aren't losing the rotations um, nearly as much. And I guess you know, lots of teams fold in three, you know, three new starters, and seem to do better by midseason than we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it, it's it's the you know, that's the, what I call the Virginia frustration. You know, it's like, well, other people's freshmen are doing really well, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, and, the defense and, and, wasn't the problem yesterday in general. I think the problem was Matthew Hart is just on an insane tear the last four games. They kept saying, he, sure. like in the last, through the first half of our game, in the last three games, he'd only missed like two three-pointers. In all of that time, and he, out of like 18, the dude is just, and he didn't have a lot of space. He just, yeah, there's that one turnaround where he 
clearly committed an offensive foul, and they call the foul on Sam. <laughs> what? Well, you know that's you know <laughs> that's, that's just ridiculous. that's just typical Duke, yeah. Duke Garden stuff that we've but already any, talked yeah, about. But I anyway, guess. you know Matthew Hart is playing but, great, and he's getting he was getting a shot. He was ta- he was shooting contested shots and hitting them. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just somebody playing great. So I have no problem with with his 22 points. Hey, he only only had 22. We tightened up. Did well, a good job. And well, the, other, look, the other look, one more thing, and then you one more. Know, I've got two points, well and that. I'm going to make my second point before I yield the floor. Okay. All right. The first point was Matthew Hart with his shot, and the second point was that they were able to get a really bad matchup on Jay Huff with Jamin Breakfield. Jamin Breakfield is exactly the kind of player Huff has a very difficult time guarding. And they were able to get that matchup and take advantage of it. That game-winning play was vintage. A guy who's mobile can shoot the three and put it on the deck against a less mobile defender. Jay had to come out and challenge what could have been a three-point shot. And that let Breakfield get past him and get to the rim. And they had to spread out nicely so there wasn't so weak side help couldn't come over in time to cut him off. Good design, good matchup, good play. So that's what happened to the defense. Overall, I think the defense was was fine. The offense is what was trash can juice. All right, now I'm done. Okay, I guess I thought that the uh, the the real factor was you know Duke in transition, um, and I went back and watched every play that they had in transition or on fast break, and you know it was just talent. It was just talent winning out. I, I don't think there was a single really bad defensive play that we had or people missing. It was just, you know, they had a lot of speed. They didn't run every time, but they picked their points. But every was that off time mistakes? they were in transition, they were they found the open man. They made the extra pass. They right. were unselfish. And was that off of our uh, mistakes I, I thought on offense? It was, I, I just thought it was clinical. You know okay. how they how they played, and I think it was you know. But those transition opportunities that they had, did they originate from our mistakes on offense? Like um, were they turnovers? Yeah, were they bad but shots, they or was it just off of? It, it it was everything. You know, it was. I mean, I, I wasn't looking at that. I mean, right. transition happens. You know, because we it, you know we talked before happened. the game about them being able to make offense from defense, and that was going to be a factor. Sure. So and it, it, and it, like, I think it looked it to me was. like a couple I mean, times they, they did. did a really great job. Yeah. You know, and it was just those guys played like their talent level suggested. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was just effortless, beautiful ball with, you know, skilled athletes being able to run freely. <laughs> I mean, it's just always easier to play basketball when you're running. Yeah. You know, up and, and we, down. We never. And, you know. We usually don't let them, even them, do that very much. I mean, they can do it more than anybody else, which is why, you know, Tony's, what, 4 and 13 against them. I saw somewhere on Twitter somebody said that Duke has a 12 and 4 record against Tony, and that was in their preview. So I assume that they now have a 13 and 4 record against Tony. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's the one team that he can't master. Yeah. And that's because they have a great coach who gets them very focused for our games and they have a great talent level. And, you know, they... You know, in the end, Tony's system is, is based on trying to help you compete with better talent, you know, against better talent. Sure. But there are limits and... You know, we were able to beat them in Cameron a couple of years ago because we had three guys on the perimeter who are now in the NBA. And St. Louis is absolutely right. I mean, it's not his point, but he was the one who was saying it in the preseason mostly. College basketball is a guard-driven game. You're better off having great guards and mediocre big men than you are the other way around. True. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we're close in age. Did you watch Ralph Sampson play? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I was there for his final. I was there for his final year. All right. See, now I I was in high school, but I watched every like well, not every game because back then you couldn't watch every game. I watched every game you that you could. you could if you wanted to. Huh? 
yeah, you couldn't watch every game. Right, you know, yeah. They were, yeah, they were just some games that just, yeah. you couldn't watch. And, and probably probably half the games you just couldn't watch. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I live, we lived in Virginia, so we were probably able to watch like all the ACC games. But even there, there were probably one or two that weren't, that weren't on. Yeah. But anyway, I watched, you know, the lion's share of his games for three years, his last three years. And there were a lot of games that the other team was able to take him out of the game. Maybe the greatest big man in the history of the ACC. Definitely one of the top five big men in the history of the ACC. And there were a lot of games where teams were able to take him out of the game. You can take big men out of the game. Look, Tony's system is based on taking big men out of the game. That's what we that's right. you know his defense is you can't take a great well, guard you know, out of the game you just cannot do it right well you know Connecticut ran you know what three titles on the on the back of mm-hmm. their you know on the back of guard play with mediocre big big mm-hmm. men so you know I mean what Daniel Marshall was their best big man yeah I mean we had you know Ty uh, Jerome Kyle Guy DeAndre Hunter and we had Jack Salt. Mm-hmm. You know, and Isaiah Wilkins for a lot of it, and you know we had Malcolm Brogdon. Our best sure. teams have I mean, had our best guards, the guys that are in the NBA. I don't know, Reese Beekman might be in the NBA someday, but he's definitely not there now. He's not at that level now, and I, you know, the last few days I've been thinking, you know, is is. Kihei Clark holding him him back. Is Kihei Clark gonna hold us back because he's he's good enough to keep his spot and he's good enough to to play and do all right, but he's not good enough to excel at the championship level. Whereas Beak may have that potential, but because of the presence of Kihei, do we not give him the ball and control the team? It's a tough situation. I don't know. I love Kihei. But I just I think we may have hit his ceiling. So are you ready to go, Bill Walsh, on him? Of course, Bill Walsh, uh, you know, took over the Forty ers Had uh, they were really bad. They had one decent player, a quarterback named Steve DeBerg, and of course they drafted Joe Montana. And Bill Walsh very famously said, "Steve DeBerg is good enough to get to lose you the game." You know, mm-hmm. and they cut him and put Joe Montana in, and of course, you know the rest is NFL history. Yeah, uh, I think I think he. You, going that, you going that far yet? I, I I might be in that. Look, Kihei can win you a lot of games. He's clearly won us a lot of games, but I don't know that he can win the big games when he's your primary ball handler. He was a fantastic part of and an indispensable part of winning those games. But Ty Jerome was running the team. He was the sidekick. Kihei was the sidekick. I And I think it's mostly his size, but also lately I'm really, again, I'm frustrated with his decision-making. But, you know, honestly, even on the... I'm, that last play, I saw somebody said it on, on Twitter, and I agree with them that I didn't even think about it at the time. But why didn't we call a timeout? We had eight well, seconds. That has been a that has been a complaint of mine about Tony Bennett for years. He draws up. He's got great set plays. He does, but he doesn't. He wants to. He wants the the. He wants to catch the defense and not give them a chance to rest. And he has been. Very, very, very consistent about not calling that timeout. You know, with with um, with plays, he did it with Brockton. You know, he did it with Joe Harris. He wants him to play. I mean, it's just it's just a staple of of Ben. That I would think you'd want to call a timeout. <laughs> Probably eighty percent of the coaches would want it. You know, a timeout. Dean Smith very famously didn't. Yeah, you know, I he could, wanted the guys to play. And, yeah, and, I could you show know, you. It's just a coaching philosophy, and maybe it's wrong. Yeah, but then it's been very consistent about that throughout his career. I can go through the play-by-play of the last four minutes of his game and suggest why maybe putting the decision in in one of our guards' hands wasn't maybe the best choice for the coach because the last four minutes of that game 
our one of our guards after another dribbling around and then putting up something futile. Let's run a play. Yeah, I don't know. That I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what Kie was doing in that last possession. I just like Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Ultimately I thought this was gonna be a very I thought that we had a chance to be a great team. I thought we were a final four team. And now it's very clear to me that we're really ultimately not much better than we were last year. We have great shooting in the front court, but the guards, you know, we got we got nothing out of the recruiting class this year at the guard. Beekman, you know, I, he, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a monster, but he's not ready now. And he, I agree with you. He seems to kind of be regressing in a way the last couple of weeks getting less aggressive or less sure of himself or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's missed it, some bunnies. He's missed I mean, a bunch he, of he shots. He took one shot yeah. in 19 minutes. Yeah. Um, it was a bad three. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those that you could just tell was not going to go in from the moment he shot it. Um, and, you know, you simply have to have more scoring than that. <laughs> um, I mean, he had one really nice steal and an assist, you know, for Murphy on a slam. But, you know, and, and it's nice to, you know, nice to see that. But those that represented our, our, our one transition bucket. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's that, it for that us. Happened, we're not you know, a transition team. Mark, you know? His transition skills are lost, are wasted at UVA. Well, that's always been, that's always been a concern. And that's why, you know, we've lost out on top guards. Yeah. Is, you know, guards want to get out and run. It's fun. <laughs> you know, um. I mean, I agree that it's, it's not always, that transition orientation isn't the way to win championships because ultimately you yeah. have to execute in half court to win championships. the The transition is kind of like a luxury on top. It's something. It's a kind of like a force multiplier you can use to get you that extra, you know, six to eight points. But the well, foundation it's, it's nice to be able to get easy buckets. Yeah. The foundation and, you know, is executing the half get, court. You can get eight to ten points in easy points. You're right. It matters. Yeah. And, and for us, every single point is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not willing to say that we're only marginally better or only as good as last year's team. But we certainly don't get many easy buckets. You know, everything is, everything has to be, has to be worked. And, you know, we do that a lot, but again, we lo- I think we lost because Duke had, you know, 14 relatively easy buckets and they're the, you know, transition buckets make you feel good. You know, you go racing down, you score, it's easy. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's one of those emotional lifts that players get. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that if you know a three is a three is a three, the sabermetricians would tell you. But you know, hitting the trailing three on a uh, on a fast break, I think, has to feel better than you know coming off a screen and and hitting the three. I mean, there's just there's just a lift to that, and we don't seem to have that. Um, so yeah, I guess 14 fast it, break points that that does kind of jump out at you. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of. Gloss that over and, and again, I thought we defended them. I, you know, I, I went back every single one of them. We defended them fine. You know, there weren't a whole lot of breakdowns. We weren't not like we weren't getting back. We weren't yeah. hanging our heads. We were in place. It was just if we had two people back, they had three. Mm-hmm. If we had three people back, they had four. One time we had five people back, and one guy was so slow. I think it was Stewart was so slow coming that all five of our guys were in the paint. He was trailing and he'd fallen or, you know, mm-hmm. and he comes, you know, running up and he was at the top of the key and there wasn't anybody there to mark him because, you know, they'd been covering other players, you know, and he was just, 
so so late on the scene. He was the latest trailer I've seen in a long time. He's wide open for the trailing three. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't think. I mean, I tried to look like, well, okay, did Beekman lose him? Did Marcel lose him? Like, no, they were doubling a guy, and it, it was the right play at the time. You know, so it, it is to me that was the difference, and and that was you know, frustrating to, you know, frustrating to, to digest. Yeah. Out of 66 um, points, 14 is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's, you know, what, 20% more than 20% of your points. We don't yeah, give that up. But they only ran about 10, 12 times. I mean, it's not, they weren't, they weren't running all the time. They were just right. ruthlessly efficient when they did. Um, it was just, so it, it's one of those things where I don't know that there's 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 blame. It's just sometimes you know you're beat by a team that was able to utilize their strengths, and for them it's just their their athleticism and just overall skill level. I mean these, these guys they look good. They sure as heck didn't look like a team that you know had lost to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I just have you know. three three points of blame out of this and I think I've talked about them all already sure. one is the failure to do anything to prepare anything to deal with mismatches that we get to take advantage of mismatches because it was predictable that we were going to have to do that if we're going to get the most if we're going to capitalize on the ability of Jayhoff, Sam Hauser, and Trey Murphy we're going to have to come up with a plan to capitalize on mismatches because teams are going to do this. They're going to switch everything. The book is, it's it's on video now. Out. It's been shown. You do that, yep. Virginia's offense falls apart. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with that. So that's to me num that's my number one blame, and you can see where that lies. Two, you know, not calling a timeout for that last play, and that I. I agree with what somebody else said. That's not my criticism. I just agree. I didn't think of it at the time. I didn't think of it before. So I'm not, you know, I'm going to go easy on that one. And then number three is with Kihei just continuing to make the same type of mistake and get in the same kind of trouble. And now freaking Casey Marcel is doing the same thing and I think we saw somebody else do that thing where they stop and pirouette, and that used to be the Devin Hall thing. It used to drive me nuts, especially in his junior year. His senior, he kind of got out of that. It used to drive me nuts. He would stop in the middle of the lane and turn around, and just it never went well. It never went well. And you get in the lane, you gotta go, or you gotta, or like what Kige really needs to do, and what he's done some. I know some people don't like it, but. You break that first line, you pull up and shoot that jumper before you before you get into the second line of defense. You pull up and you shoot that little jumper. He's pretty good at it when he does it. He doesn't do it enough. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's Hauser who's also starting to pirouette now. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and you know that's the and that's the problem because he's the most natural shooter easily of the three. Yeah. He's got the size. Um, but he doesn't have the handle. And he doesn't have the run and jump. No, he doesn't. And those those um, things are limiting him. Teams are they're cutting off his space now. It, look, it, Kyle Guy went through it. Teams cut off his space, and he had to adjust. He was able to do that. Thomas Wolde Tensai. Teams cut off his space late last year. He's. I don't think he. I don't think he's got the athletic ability to. At this level, a lot of guys can do it at the mid-major level, and then when you get up to this level, uh, this is the top of the top. So those are my those are my three things to blame. Other than that, yeah, Duke played very well, you know, and I, I don't have any. Look, I have I have absolutely, and I will not tolerate. I will fight anybody who has negative things to say about anybody's heart. Or their effort, or their character, or their work ethic, or or any of those things, or their their heart and soul. I have absolutely nothing negative to say about that about any of our players, any of our coaches. I want that to be very clear. Right. 
No, I mean, I, 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 these guys. These guys came out. They played hard. Yeah. Um, it was a. It was a difficult game. If I was not a Virginia fan, it would have. It would have been a great game to watch. It was entertaining. Two teams went out there and they battled. And you know there were some some things that only matter because you're on the margins of such a tight game. And but. What I'm most emotional about, and it's not like I'm mad at anybody or anything. It just it sucks that there's a reality. We're just a mediocre team with great front court shooting and far more limited and flawed than I thought we were going to be. And teams, you know, I, I really I feel like I overestimated this team. Like I didn't, I, I saw the potential, but I didn't see the fault lines and opposing coaches Mm -hmm. have seen those fault lines and man, they've, they've just cracked them wide open. It's, you know, Florida state on Monday and then, ugh. you know, we have an NC state, Miami and Louisville left and who fucking cares? All those teams are basically well, nothing. I so, do. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I care. Um, we win them and we win the ACC regular season. Maybe. I don't, I'm and not so sure that anymore. That matters to me. I'm not so sure anymore. Well, Florida State's not going to be able to play enough games to it's, uh, to take it, I don't think. It's, it's, um, it's going to be straight up winning percentage. They're in first place now. Yeah. Yeah, so well, they have got... to lose, and I'm not willing, ready. Let's see, who do they play? They have Miami. Ooh, big challenge. North Carolina away. Okay, that's something. Boston College at home. Notre Dame away. I mean, there's not a there's not a game there that they should lose. Yeah. There's a couple that they could. I mean, they could lose any of them. But there's only. Right, so let's see. Ken Palm has it. The North Carolina game, they have it a one. He has had a one-point game. Notre Dame game, he has it a four-point game because those are away games. So we'll see. I mean, after the Florida State game, I said we weren't going to lose any more games, and I figured they're going to drop one. Mm-hmm. And I figured, so yeah, we'll win the regular season. Well, we just lost one, so now it's all in their court. And I think last year they were in the same situation; they didn't lose. They took it home. Yeah. I, I that team. I watched the most of the Pitt game. They they struggled with Pitt, and they were challenged by Pitt, but they took it home. They're playing at a very high level right now, and they sure. got athletes. They got athletes, and they, they got do. shooters, and they've got you know they're much more complete. They're the only team in the ACC that's got a chance, in my opinion, to go deep in the NCAA tournament. Well, I won't argue with that. That's very true. I thought, you know, start of the year, I thought we were a Final Four team. I thought we were a Final Four team all the way up until, like, maybe you might have uh, – the Virginia Tech game made me really start to question it. After these last two games, I'm convinced we're nowhere close to a Final Four team. That, I guess that's probably what's bothering me the most is I've, I've finally given up that dream because my, my senses – what my senses are taking in don't allow me to preserve that dream. And if, look, if we do it, if they do, and they're not going to give up. I mean, that's Tony Bennett's team. They're not going to mail it in. They're not going to give up. They're going to keep grinding. Well, maybe grinding's not the right word based on what somebody said. But they're going to keep working. They're going to keep trying. They're going to keep coming. And that's great. And I, I admire them for it. They're better men than I. Flat out. We'll admit it. We'll, you know, no problem admit it. They're better men than I. So I'm really, you know, I, I'm not going to stop watching. I, I'm going to be there for every, you know, watch every single game. But Sure, sure. You know, and if they do go all the way and, and anybody wants to throw these words back at me, I will happily, happily <laughs> put ketchup on them and eat them. Happily. I'd much rather these guys, you know, watch these guys win than be right. Sure. I hope Kihei sure. proves me wrong. Nothing would make me happier. 
nothing. I love, I love Kihei. I love his heart and his spirit. He's a competitor and everything. No, you know, so I'm definitely rooting for him. Just as an analyst, as an evaluator, somebody on the outside who is trying to, you know, predict and, and stuff. I, I just got, I just got to say what I see, and that's what I see right now. Yeah. Well, so um, we'll end on a on a happier note. Women's soccer is back. So they are seven days away from uh, a spring season that's going to include six games. Okay. And uh, I'm going to get to see uh, – we're playing a home-and-home home with West Virginia. So there's mm-hmm. no ACC games on the slate. <clears throat> I'm going to get to see a Virginia game on April 10th, cool. which is going to be awesome. And uh, the big news is is that Taryn Torres, who is our spark plug mm-hmm. and was injured most of last season – and was drafted this year, um, has been stashed by her parent team, the Sky Blue, and she's going to be playing for us this oh, fall. Oh, that's great. I mean, um, this spring. This right. spring. She's going to be playing for us this spring. And we need her. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the eight, the NCAA tournament for women has been reduced to 48 teams. Right. And, you know, it now means that we're on the margin. Um, we're the clearly the third best team in the ACC. ACC should get four to five teams, but, you know, 48 team schedule, that's only 17 mm-hmm. or 18 um, at-large bids. Mm-hmm. So huge news coming out of the out of Steve Swanson's camp. Well, that's great. So, that's great. Looking and, forward, and lacrosse looking won, didn't they? That. I think lacrosse won. Yeah, and one, the, one point game. the men's baseball team just took two out of three against UConn. Oh, okay. Because so, I know the so one that I saw, happy. they were they lost to UConn when we were losing the basketball at Duke. So they won the other two then. Yes. That's great. And UConn's supposed to be really one, good, I think, right? I think it was first and third they won. Excuse me? UConn's supposed to be really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So that was our, that was the, the fun, that was the, I think their equivalent of, uh, you know, UVA Villanova and three out of conference schedule. All right. <laughs> So, All yeah, right. Well, we, wow. We See, I was like, "Oh man," because I was thinking, "Oh, we lost to Duke and then baseball lost too." But now I, so we we won the other two. So that's great. So we won the series. No, yep. that's awesome. So that's the great thing about being an American sports fan. <laughs> you know, there's there's always somebody else. You know, there's there's always a new page, and mm-hmm. there's lots of teams at, at Virginia and lots of student athletes selling it all out, you know, for school and fame and for sell. Um, you know, I sometimes wonder, you know, what it must be like if you're a European or South American soccer fan. You have one team, you know. So if your team sucks or blows the, you know, blows the championship game, there's no release. Yeah, that's why they're so crazy season. about it. Yeah. But. So that, that makes their makes them maybe more passionate, but it makes it a little easier. You know, if I can, uh, if, if our, if our dreams for hoops are crashing a little bit, you know, I've got, I got women's soccer just around the corner. So. Cool. All right. Well, NC State on Wednesday. It's going to be an early game at 630. It looks like I'll be watching this game on replay as well. Yeah. Because I work till, I work till eight on, on Wednesdays. So I'll have to catch this one on replay. So. I made the mistake of Duke. I was confident against Duke. I, yeah, I, I was we, too. I thought, I thought we were going to win. win. So I, I looked at the score beforehand. Mm. And uh, having to watch a game that you know that you're going to lose to Duke of all teams is just, yeah. it was kind of torture. You know, the because, Florida State game, yeah. before the game, I in the hours before the game, I became convinced we were going to get rolled. and I was on that um, locker room access pregame show with Mark Jerome and those guys and you know I think I when they asked the predictions I say we're going to lose by like five or something but that was that was my way of saying that they were going to clearly be better without coming out on that show when Dougie Fresh picked us to win and Phony picked us to win and Zach picked us to lose but only by like a point I I was like I'm not I can't be the guy to come in and say we're going to get rolled so I said well you know, we're going to lose by, I yeah. think I said five. I think I said like 16, yeah. 63. Privately, I, I was like, we're going to get rolled. 
was, the more I looked at that game, the more I looked at Florida State, the more I was like, oh my god. Right. These we have these weaknesses that, like the only weaknesses Florida State has is they put teams on the free throw line a lot and they turn the ball over a lot. And what are two things that we do not do? We do not go we to the free throw line and we do not force turnovers. So we are not at all in a position to, to capitalize on their weaknesses. Well, they are very much in a position to capitalize on our weaknesses. And when I started to think about that, I was like, man, that is just a recipe for disaster. I really well, wasn't was. surprised when I watched it happen. <laughs> but the Duke, I thought we were going to beat Duke. I thought we were going to beat Duke. Yeah, but I, I you know, like would, like uh, St. Louis had an eight point spread. I think, I think that's what I saw. That I was. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week to uh, talk about uh, NC State and what's our weekend game. Well, we don't have a weekend game. It's NC State that's on Wednesday right. and then right. Miami on Monday, so there won't be any Wahoo wake up on Saturday. Right. We'll just. I don't know. I guess we'll probably have a podcast. We'll record Sunday and, and get the thing posted Monday morning. So we'll have a Miami preview and an NC State recap on Monday morning. Okay. So that's your that's your schedule here at uh, Who's Place. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm your host, Val Prohaska, with Seattle Who. Good night, everybody. Wahoo! Wahoo! Wahoo!